Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Today we are tackling a tough topic. And it can go down a dark rabbit hole or it can manifest in what today's episode turned out to be, which is this amazingly and encouraging bright light around a really difficult topic. Think about writing a will. The last thing anybody wants to do is write a will. I just went through this with my mom. She had to go get knee surgery and she still didn't have a will. My little sister's a, a physician's assistant. And she begged her to finally do it. I finally made it so easy. I said, mom, just please, let's just let's make it super simple. We, did, we got it done. An even more difficult conversation, forget a will. Think about talking to your parents about going into some sort of independent living, assisted living. It's like the last thing we want to talk to our parents about. And it's the last thing our parents ever want to do. But there comes a point in the latter half of retirement that we just got to understand and face the music around. And if we can do that as children of our adult parents, we can make what could be a terribly tough transition a phenomenal result for everybody involved. To be a caregiver is one of the toughest things or toughest jobs you can ever do. Emotionally, financially, psychologically, can get brutal. And having mom or dad or both end up in a place that's not the home that they've lived in for the last decade or more, that can be really tough too. And it's a strain that almost every family, every family has to go through. But it doesn't have to be some dark dour conversation. And actually, if you plan it right and you think about it in the right way, like we're going to do today with Matt Del Vecchio, one of the leaders in the industry of helping families find a place for mom and dad. They're called senior transition specialists. I was inspired and encouraged by what Matt taught us today. Whether you want to or not, you're going to have this conversation with your spouse about your parents at some point. Today, Matt Delvecchio makes the conversation so much better where a little bit of planning goes a very long way. Even though this is a tough topic, I think you'll find today's episode inspiring. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Matt Delvecchio, live from Montreal. By the way, and again, who knows when people are listening, what season we're going to be in, uh, but we're recording in February. So what, where, what is it like in Montreal this time of year? Oh, it's balmy, sunny, 90 degrees, Wes. <laughs> oh, I should be there. <laughs> yeah, we're, um, we're uh, well, let's say about 5, 10 degrees right now. We're expecting about eight inches of snow tonight. So um, <laughs> we're hunkering down. But it down. is a we're beautiful place. Up. But Montreal really is a beautiful place. So... 
Yeah. Uh, particularly in the summer, it's amazing. Fantastic city and uh, yeah, wonderful. So, so Matt uh, Delvecchio, of course, is, you know, I, I want to start with this is that we, as a financial advisor and financial planner for 25 years, we are very much about kind of giving a roadmap or a financial timeline on when money's going to start coming in, how you're going to use your assets so that we don't run out. So, and, and I think a lot of America, that's that just in, in itself, getting to retirement financially, just being able to have the financial wherewithal to last for the next 20, 30, 40 years is really tough. So we plan to retire. We plan in America to retire. And what we don't plan for is to be retired. Uh, very often, all of our effort is about how do we get enough money? What are, how do I make, how can I afford it, afford it, afford it? But then that's where the planning stops. So it's the second half of when I'm actually retired, what am I going to be doing? Am I going to be living in my house for the next 10, 20 years? And then what happens when I get older and I have to go somewhere else? And I, and I know you really think about kind of that once you're in retirement, uh, what are some of the things that get over, overlooked in this category? Yeah, I think you're bringing up a, a, a huge point because when we think of retirement, you know, we're, we're looking at maybe our 50s and 60s, early 70s. We've worked hard our whole lives. We want to enjoy the fruits of our labor and we're going to travel and, and live the good life. But what usually doesn't get talked about, Wes, is the second half of retirement. And this yeah, is the world so, that so retirement with. part one, th this kind of goes back to go, go, then slow go. Exactly. And, you know, and I'm sure you've talked about this in the past, but just look at life expectancy. You know, just even from 1980, life expectancy has gone up about four and a half years for Americans. And so there's four and a half years later in life that you have to account for for financial planning. And most importantly, let's face it, the latter half, the second half of retirement, we're talking with increased costs now, more than normal. Our healthcare costs are proportionately more on that second half. Okay, so that is so. So this is where you specialize, and you. Th this is the and and I think about this. You're right. The beginning of retirement, we get to retirement, and we have this natural burst of things to do. And I talk a lot about core pursuits and making sure you've got all these hobbies on steroids. But but what you're saying, and I and this is true. It's almost the same as people don't want to do a will because you don't want to think about you don't want to think about dying, right? It's like, oh, I don't want to do a will. I really don't. And and that's why it's so hard to get multi-millionaires. You know, a third of all, you know, a third of people worth a hundred million dollars or more don't even have a will. But it's not because they can't do a will. It's because they don't want to go through the mental anguish of doing it. Now, what you're talking about is kind of going through a little bit of this uncomfortable thought of what are we going to do. Yeah, the first 10 years, we're going to Antarctica. We're going to Alaska. We're going to, we're going to hit every ballpark in the United States. We're going to go to watch baseball games and 50 stadiums. And we're going to, all these things. But you kind of don't want to think about, and this is where you come in here, um, that next, it's like when things start to slow down. And then you start to think about as a child of a parent who, let's say, gets into their 70s, 80s, 90s, how do we help figure out where to plan for that? Because again, Matt, we can't plan uh, 10 years out of, oh, I think in 10 years, I'm going to go live in XYZ place, right? So how do you suggest going about that? When do you figure out that next step of what's the next place I need to go? 
Yeah. So I think the first important factor is to acknowledge it, to acknowledge that don't turn a blind eye to the fact that we're living healthier, longer lives. We're going to have to address this at one point in time. Uh, very often I get when I'm, when I'm going around with families, we help families in these transitions going from homes, uh, their own homes into retirement communities. And sometimes some of these tours, particularly in long-term care, are pretty rough. And I often get the line, usually from the kids, saying, just put me out of my, my misery if, if I reach that point. You know? And it's sort of in jest, half-jokingly. Well, I hear that all the time. The reality is we're most likely going to reach that stage. Mm -hmm. And that comment when you're 50 or 60 saying, just put me out of my misery, I see the moms and dads that are in this state and that doesn't happen in real life. You're just not going to put them, your mom or dad into misery. So you mm -hmm. really do have to deal with the fact that one day we're going to have to deal with this. So good financial planning starting earlier, if you can, rather than being in crisis mode and having to deal with, it's important. And insurance, insurance questions need to start coming up a little earlier. It, you know, am I covered with private health care insurance? Um, maybe I have to get extended uh, healthcare insurance or, or drug insurance. Maybe I need to be looking into long-term care insurance as well. But these conversations need to start earlier in the process and not when you're 80. So again, maybe the terminology is slightly different between Canada and the United States, but the reality is uh, in both countries, it's similar. We need to have the conversation around healthcare. We need to have the conversation around long-term care. We need to have the conversation around being able to fund all of this. So you mentioned this and you're painting this this picture of walking around a place where if you were to tour it, you'd say, please don't ever put me here. <laughs> so I want to know that the difference between, you know, in, let's say independent living, assisted living, um, long-term care, memory care, or, or just being in a, 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 let's say a 50 plus adult community. Right. Can we walk through some of those options? Like what are we, what are we facing and what year do you think, on average, do you, do you see people having to make some of these transitions? And there's multiple stages. So right. let's start with the stages. And exactly. And it is stages, Wes, exactly. And I'll generalize in terms of aging and ages. But um, you've mentioned them. Independent living, assisted living, long-term care, and memory care. And I'll go through each one very briefly. Independent living is usually the first phase. It's the, I like to look at it as the best of both worlds. You're in your condo, if you will. You've got your kitchen. You're doing your own thing. But you have access within the building to services and amenities. There might be a dining room, a gym, uh, a pool. There's activities. Socialization is fantastic. There's usually a nurse or a doctor on board. Nurse, full-time doctor coming occasionally. Pharmacies, convenience stores. So this would be typical independent living. Fed up of the home, but I'm still very active ideal situation this is usually and how what is the average age just gen in general do you see people making that transition or is it and when when is it time is it when you no longer when your kids say hey mom and dad I, gosh i don't want you driving around anymore to go get when is that what's the catalyst to go to assist or an independent living right so um and that's a very good question because there's different phases if you get to the others so for example, 
Um, independent living is usually you're still mo your mobility is good, cognitively you're fine, but maybe the burden of home ownership is just too much. I'm fed up. You know, the house is becoming too much. I still want to go. So we're seeing independent living usually in our 70s, maybe early 80s, depending on, on your health. That's the, the age bracket there. Then, then we move to the next phase which is what we call assisted living. Okay, well, and the, the, what's the catalyst for that? Some sort of health event, mobility event? Yeah, so in assisted living, it's a little more care. It could even be within the same building of an independent living, but there could be two or three floors that are considered assisted living floors. So you're a little more surrounded. There's usually meals included, housekeeping, uh, laundry. Um, there's a nurse usually on staff. So you are more surrounded with care. So now trigger events for that could be some physical issues. Maybe at home, the stairs are becoming too much. I just can't navigate these stairs. Getting in and out of the bathtub is just too dangerous. Mom's fallen a couple times. And now you might be looking at this assisted living always on one floor. You've got people around, but you're still somewhat independent. Mm -hmm. And then they, that's going to be, let's say that's folks maybe in their later 80s. That's right. And again, generalizing with ages, because I've seen some 95-year-olds that will you know, outwalk uh, some 60-year-olds. It's amazing. But That's again, so generally That's speaking, so assisted yeah. living is usually mid to late 80s, uh, sometimes early 80s. Let's talk about those two, because again, uh, the reality here is that when we get to be in that, we get to a point health-wise, it, it may be that we need, just for our own safety, for our own parents' safety, we need to, they, it's harder for them to live out on the farm. I think about my dad, right? He's late 60s, early 70s, and he's still mucking stalls, and he's still gardening, and he's still riding his horse, and he's still doing all those things. In 10 years, let's say when he's 80, is he going to is he gonna be doing that? And then, I don't, by the way, let's go to this. I'll never get dad off the farm. I'll never get mom to move from the house. I'll never get mom and dad to leave where they are. I, I know our listeners are thinking that because that, that that's the reality of the conversations that I've had for so many years. It is so hard for parents to ever want to leave. Do you face that? I have rarely had a mom or dad jumping and screaming to go into an assisted living or long-term care home. Okay. They, know, it, they don't usually want to do it. it. It doesn't happen. And let's face it, the pandemic has made this situation or this fear or anxiety even more um, present because you know, of what we hear and what we see. So it's only normal and natural for people to want to stay at oh, home. Oh, right. Of course, the beginning of COVID, the first images of COVID were from Seattle, assisted living place, and it was a disaster, right? That we had... The, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. So that's yeah. all adding into the psyche of, of people mm -hmm. and digging in their heels even more. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. So in yeah, those situations... Okay. We call them essential conversations. And you want to try to have some of these essential conversations, planting seeds, and a good little hint is look for trigger events. You're not going to force mom or dad to move. They're, they're, they don't want to move. However, have there been some trigger events? And I'll give a few examples of trigger events. Maybe there was a neighbor or another family member that actually made a move to independent living or assisted living, and they may actually be enjoying it. That's called a trigger event. There might have been a fall or a hospital visit. You know, on the farm, even at home in the city, you're tripping, trying to get into the bathtub, slip and fall, break a hip. 
These are trigger events that should start conversations. You hear one of these podcasts. You know, I've never really thought about that. That's a trigger event, actually, that you could talk to. Hey, I heard Wes Moss um, talking about these things. You know, you know what? We never even talked. Do you even have a will? You know, do, you know what? What happens if you get hit by a bus? Well, I was, you know, like using that term when we really want to find out what happens if you start to become ill. So look at those trigger events to start the conversations and also with your siblings, not just mom and dad, because so often the brother and the sister and the other sister might not be on the same page. So these are important conversations. I, I do like this. I like the way you couch this. Essential conversations. It makes it sound important, but not scary. They're essential. Hey, siblings, let's talk about mom and dad and where they're going to live. And mom and dad, hey, let's have we talked? Have you thought about? Are you going to be? Are you going to stay here for? Now, I, again, my dad, like a lot of dads, would say, "Look, I will stay here on this farm until I die." And and that's that is probably the reality of mm-hmm. what will happen. He will never ever want to go to one of these places. Uh, but I will have that essential conversation with him. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y dot com the world as we all know has changed so much and your financial situation has likely changed too how you adapt to that change has a massive effect on your future Maybe your mom or dad's health has declined. Maybe you recently had a baby or got a divorce or inherited some unexpected money and you aren't sure how to invest it. Maybe you're one of the 3 million people who reportedly retired early due to the pandemic. Or perhaps you didn't retire, but your company decided to softly push you out the door. It's happened so much at some of America's biggest companies, they've even come up with a new word for it, surplusing. As in there's a surplus of humans and you're one of them. As if downsizing wasn't bad enough. And if you're facing that change, should you take pension payments monthly or a lump sum, a rollover IRA or something else? You may also be stuck in a static portfolio with the outdated 60-40 stock bond ratio that assumed interest rates and inflation would never go up. We are in the middle of the largest financial shift that we have seen in more than 40 years. Tectonic plates are shifting. We've moved from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to higher interest rates. If you have questions about how to adapt to that or adjust to all these changes, just give us a call. Or better yet, find us at yourwealth.com. You can meet with a real live person in Atlanta or Nashville or Tampa or Denver or Phoenix, or we can just do it over Zoom. I just had a great meeting with some wonderful folks from Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. If we can get to know each other over Zoom, so can you and I. So reach out to our team at Capital Investment Advisors, the website yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R wealth.com. Before we get to long-term care and we get a memory here, 
I, I think about, let's say if you've done amazing, your planning's been amazing and you've got plenty of income and money is to some extent not an object. I want to say that we, mom and dad, you can go to the best place we can find and it's going to, and, and you've saved well and you have plenty of money. You don't need to, you can spend it on this. Don't worry about my inheritance. I don't care. I don't need any money. I want you to spend down as much as you have and you have plenty. So let's, can, can we find, what is the, I know that we, again, we go back to thinking about the beginning of COVID and assisted living in Seattle was these horrible images, but we can also find some really nice places too. And I'm, I'm just wondering the levels and the costs, and it's not that different uh, between Canada and Atlanta and Texas and again, Seattle or the West Coast. I mean, these are going to range, it's a, it's a big range, but you can find Am I right? How nice are the places that we can find? Yeah. And there are some spectacular residences. And I can get into a couple of things that are important. But I want to address an important point you, you brought up. And this is very common where there there is actually money around um, to pay for a nice uh, senior living community. But the challenge kids face it's, we hear about you know elder. What, what, you, what do you mean? You, what do you mean by that? Meaning that people have there's plenty of people that have the money to go to a nice place and having the conversation with the kids. Ma, Dad, you know you, you've worked hard your whole life. They come from nothing. They've worked hard. They've earned it. Spend it on yourself. Very often, the moms and dads, particularly those in the older generation, if you're in your 80s, their Today. mentality is like rent is not even on their mind. They've never rented. They've always bought, they've always owned assets. And to think that they're going to have to spend money is very difficult for them. I've had situations where the kids are saying, spend it, ma, spend it. You have it. I'm not worried about the inheritance. Yeah, there would be something nice if there's something left over, but spend it on yourselves. Half the battle sometimes is getting them to accept that they could spend their own money on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so once that's, you know, if you can get around that, there are some plenty of very, very good options, um, good care, good environment, good staff to resident ratios. This is actually key. And this is part of the problem in government funded residences. The ratios are, aren't great. And so it's very logical. The more people taking care of mom or dad, the quality of care is going to increase. And this allows you to be able to choose these better retirement communities. So again, United States and Canada may be a, a slightly different, but the systems aren't, aren't dramatically different. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a lot, a lot of U.S. chains are, are here in Canada and a lot of Canadian chains are in the U.S. Very, very similar. So let's think about if we go to the category of, of a nice independent living, is that how much does that get funded through? Is there any sort of funding through Medicare? Tell our audience a little about that. Or is it 100% self-pay? Uh, are most of these places 100% self-pay? What is the, the typical financial arrangement to, for a moderate to nice place? Yeah, so, so usually what happens in the self-pay is on, on the earlier stages, the independent living, the assisted livings. Once we start getting some government assistance, we're moving into long-term care, nursing, nursing home type care, the highest level of care. And by the way, and we you know haven't talked about long-term care, but the, the general rule of thumb for long-term care is if you can no longer do your activities of daily living, they refer to them as ADLs. Okay, let's say you need help transferring out of bed or into a chair. You need help getting in and out of the bathtub. You can't wash on your own. You need help with dressing, toileting. There may be incontinence. 
Anything more, I'm generalizing here, more than three hours of daily true care, now we're into this long-term care category. And so this is where we're starting to see some government assistance, um, but very few government assistance funded as we get in the, you know, the independent living and more, more of your... Uh, right, so think, think of independent living and assisted living as, as very much just self-pay. Uh, and then when we get into long-term care, you can do self-pay or that's when you, some of the government programs in the United States and Canada can start to kick in. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, memory care. Now that's kind of the... Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think th this is an important one. One, first of all, uh, dementia-related diseases like Alzheimer's are going through the roof. Uh, uh, we're at about 6 million Americans, which is probably on the low end. That's going to double in the next 30 years. Holy cow. Crazy stat. More people die from Alzheimer's than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. And it's only going to get worse because there's we don't have a cure and the population is aging. So I'm glad you talked about memory care because we can't assume that memory care is automatically long-term care. It may not even be assisted living. Memory care are residences and communities that have staff that understand these cognitive diseases. For example, staff that knows how to de-escalate situations, how to redirect, even bathing. People with Alzheimer's sometimes, not all, but many have trouble showering. Water on their face for whatever reason is traumatic. So you need staff that knows the clientele that can take care of them properly. You might have someone physically fit. You might not even be able to tell this person has Alzheimer's until you start talking to them. These are people that could be flight risks or wanderers. And they've got, you know, they'll walk like crazy, but they have Alzheimer's. And, and these are the stories we see on the news where they get lost and they're, they're found in very cold temperatures, very dangerous. So we, so memory care is becoming a niche that is becoming more and more important. And I want to, you know, just make sure your listeners understand that memory care doesn't mean long-term care necessarily. So let's go into finding some of these places. Uh, and I know this is a big part of what you do for a living. And I know you're A, you're a radio host, B, you're a professional consultant on aging, which means, and I've, and I've had this scenario in the 25 years that I've, I've been in this, uh, the retirement advice business, financial planning and investments, this this obviously comes up and it's coming up more and more today as my own client base is aging. They maybe started with me when they're 60, today they're 85. And now their kids that I, I've gotten to know are trying to help mom and dad or mom or dad independently go find a place. And it's really tough because there's so many, and I think about Atlanta as just one option, there are hundreds of choices to go. And all these different levels, independent living, assisted living, long-term care, member care. And what stage is mom and dad, dad at? And, and do they really want to go? Or are they kind of on the fence? Where do we start finding the right fit to this puzzle? And that's the perfect word is the right fit, okay? Because it could be different stages of your life that you're looking. So um, we always suggest, first thing, try to find a place that has the right culture, an environment, but the most important factor is the right care, not just for today, but for tomorrow. We have to assume as we age, we are going to require more care. So don't assume independent living, this is great, 
But if you already have some care issues, you want to be able to find a residence, a retirement community that offers a continuum of care. So care is first and foremost. Another big one, Wes, is actually food. Food is mm. huge. Huh. Explain that. So if we're moving out of independent living, you're cooking your own food, you go to the dining room every now and then. But very often, the dining room becomes more and more popular. I don't want to cook or we're going down there. In fact, I'll put a meal a day in my rent. It's going to be less expensive. So you want to be able to choose a place that puts emphasis on food. And very often what we suggest is, you know, just don't take it for granted. Everyone's going to say, look at our menu. We have great food. Go there once or twice. They're going to give you a complimentary lunch or supper. By the way, if they don't offer that complimentary lunch or supper, that's, that's not the place for you. Right. The good ones want you to taste their food. They're mm-hmm. proud of it. And food is a big factor. So care and food and obviously culture environment, you want to find an environment, even religion comes into play as well. You want to find that right environment where as you're having your complimentary lunch or dinner, you're looking around, you see the people, are they just like you? Because this is the big benefit of retirement communities. If you're home alone, you've, you've heard it, you know, loneliness and isolation has just been a killer. The big, big benefit of retirement communities is you're living the best of both worlds in your own little world and you want to be in your cocoon, but you can get out there, you're socializing, you're meeting people. That is tremendous stimulation cognitively for everyone. There's certainly people in every city that do this for a living. If I were, and I've had several in Atlanta and a few that have really helped and been wonderful. What am I searching for? If I go to Google and I want to find someone that's going to help me find the best place for mom and dad, what, what is the profession that I want to be searching for, number one? And then two, how do these people get paid in a way that's, is it, is it fair to do it as a flat fee? Do these companies or consultants get uh, uh, compensated by the, the facility that they place someone in? Is there a, can you choose how to pay for somebody? How do we get some of its objective? Tell me about the industry that we want to go look for in, in whatever city we live in, in the United States or Canada? Yeah, and it's a very good question because there are some technology plays where, um, you know, they're doing SEO and, and they're getting the top prospects and they're able to now have you as a client and they're going to recommend uh, communities, residences that would be appropriate for mom and dad. But you're responsible for organizing the tours, going out and seeing them, okay? I, Hold on. So what is the name of the profession and the consultancy that would help a family do this. Yeah, so there's there's a bunch of names. Elder care planning is mm-hmm. one. Housing advisor uh, is another one. Senior transition specialists are another one. So there's different categories. And generally, when you do a, a, a search, you know, you're putting in looking for ideal retirement communities, and you're going to get a bunch of communities, but you're also going to get some some companies. But I want to... So el- elder care planning, senior transition specialist. Yeah. What do you call you? What do you, what do you how do you... Uh, somebody asks you, what call, do you do? We're do you, called do you, uh, call trans- uh, transition specialists. Okay, transition specialists. So we help okay. guide them through um, this process. Transition specialists, and we have advisors that guide them through. But you're bringing up a huge point. And in fact, it's a bit of a sore point in the industry. And, and I'd like to caution listeners because... One of the first questions you need to ask is, do you represent all the senior communities in my area? Because that's the answer you want to hear is yes. 
You don't want to run into a situation where only 30, some offer free services. Many offer free services. Uh, but what they're, they're not getting, exactly yeah. clear and upfront with is the residences that they're going to recommend to your family are paying them a referral fee. Hey, it's business, no problem. But if there's only 30% paying referral fees, do you mean to tell me you're not going to show me 70% of the residences? Could be across the street. And that's an important question you need to ask because as a family, you want to know 100% of what's out there. So I tend to lean towards the professionals that are on a fee-based basis because they have no allegiance to any residents. You are the client for them. And they will go into this neutrally to pick and suggest and recommend the best retirement community for mom or dad, 100% of them out there. So you may have to dish out some dough at the beginning, but those are usually the best ones that will provide the best solution. And you're okay with either a fee or as long as you are neutral and you are open to all communities. Is that, that you would be okay with both models? That's the key. Hey, charge me, charge me a fee. It needs to be a reasonable fee, but I want to make sure you're showing me everything that's out there. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. It it's almost seems improbable that a place would would even be conflicted. It's like how how would it would seem crazy to me that uh, somebody would, would be limited to a certain amount. But I guess that is, I mean, I think about these apartment finder services in, in most big cities, and that's exactly how it is. It's they're, they're, they're paid by 20 different big apartment complexes, and they say, oh, it's free, but they're setting you up with only those 20. That's just the reality of, of the and, business. And Wes, also at the other end of it, you, you've got, it's a corporate decision, right? So if you've got a chain of uh, retirement homes and at the top, the big brass are saying, you know what? We're paying marketing dollars. We're paying SEO. We're paying salespeople. Why am I going to pay a third party to bring business when I'm paying my own employees to do it? So we get that attitude with some, um, some chains. And, and so that's okay. I've got no problem with that. But if I'm now in my local town looking for a residence, they're not paying referral fees, but I might want to hear about them because that might be the best in town. Right. Okay. So, the, so this, either you do this as the, the daughter or the son of a parent and you go and you contact all the places in, in the community and you go and you visit. Sounds like it would take a long time, by the way, to really do that job right. The average is about 80 to 100 hours of an individual not going through a professional of what it's going to take from doing the search, doing the tours. It's averaging between 80 and 100 hours. And you're so a couple still- months. Yeah, if you're working full time and you're doing this on your off time, it could take you several months to really get a feel for the perfect fit for mom or dad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Atlanta, there's hundreds, hundreds just in your region. Montreal, again, hundreds. So um, if you've got the time to do it, no problem. But it is always best to, you know, choose the expert that, you know, they've in, they're in there all the time. They know what's going on. They know the good and the bad. They know if there's promotions running on. So for something that you're probably going to be doing once or twice in your life, it's always best to to try to reach out to the professionals. What would be an appropriate fee if you're doing a fee based? Uh, how what are we talking approximately to to find the right fit? Yeah, they're all over all over the map. You know, um, typically speaking, some will charge on an hourly basis. You know, like a hundred hundred twenty five dollars an hour. Some mm-hmm. will charge out like a twelve. Uh, you know, a fifteen hundred flat fee, all mm-hmm. in. Um, some will even say, listen, if I, ha- if mom happens to go into a residence that's paying me a referral fee, 
I'll kick back what your consulting fee that you paid me because I'm receiving money at the back end. I don't want to double dip. So you've even yeah. got some people doing that as well. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I know that one of the things you talk about is kind of the guilt that uh, mom, or, you know, mom or dad is going into one of these places. What, what is your suggestion for uh, to have that conversation? Do you see guilt in the family from siblings and children, adult children? And how do you, how do you help people manage that? Yeah, uh, Wes, this is probably uh, one of the most common issues. It's emotional. Uh, I, I just, I can't see mom or dad. You hear all these terrible things and, and oh my goodness, we're actually reaching this point. So guilt is a huge factor. So I always like to try to make it a little more rational and a little less emotional. And I like to focus in on four things. Yeah. One, safety and security. Is mom or dad in a safe and secure environment at home? Is there risk of flight risk, wandering, slips and falls, harder to get into bathtubs, even toileting? Is it a safe and secure environment, number one? Am I offering proper care? So proper care is a second one. Am, usually it's a spouse or a daughter. Do I, am I even trained to take care of mom or dad who might have Alzheimer's, who might have physical needs? Just transferring out of bed and not using your back and legs properly is an issue. Am yeah. I, do I have the ability to provide proper care? You know, the next one is the caregiver and support systems in place. Do so I number three, caregiver and support systems. Yes. Do I have the support systems in place? If I'm a busy professional, I'm working and mom's alone at night, or if I'm a spouse and I just I go to the grocery store and my husband's alone, do I have the support systems in place for that person who requires the care? Okay, that's very important. One of the biggest issues we see is caregiver stress. You know, stress, trying yeah. to do the best they can. I could do it. I could hang in there. But meanwhile, what's happening, they're falling apart. There's family relationship issues. There could be marital issues, substance and alcohol abuse issues. If you've reached that point, you are no longer have the proper systems in place for caregiving. Very big well, one. Because caregiving, it's a very stressful job. It's a, it gets more and more stressful. So you're saying when the caregiver starts to show signs of stress. Hey, well, this is hurting their lives. That, that happened. I've seen that happen. It's brutal. Oxygen mask on the airplane. You need to have the oxygen mask on you first. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to spiral you know, out of control. The last one, Wes, is financial. Do you have the financial ability to support living at home? So if you are bringing in extra caregiver support, we're, we have some clients that have 24-7 caregivers dropping $20,000 a month for caregiver support. They have the money to do so. So if you could honestly answer these questions, safety and security, proper care, caregiver support, and finances, if the answers to all those, yeah, we're good, no problem. Continue at home in this environment. But if you look in the mirror, 
and you really have, there's no's on some of these check boxes. What you're doing, in fact, is you're taking a more rational approach wow. and taking the emotions out of it and justifying, you know what, we have to do this. And here's the kicker. You might be surprised that mom or dad is actually doing okay in that long-term care residence or that assisting living. They might actually be well taken care of and you've got your life back. So yeah. you need to bear that what in a mind. Great, what, it's such a really, I love this. It's such a great objective way to look at this. Make it a little more rational, as, as rational as you can, because we know it's going to be emotional. There's no way to take all the emotion out of it. And then you mentioned something else on the financial side. If you have, let's call it, I'm not going to say unlimited resources, but if you've planned really well for retirement and you can spend 20 or $25,000 or $30,000 per month, then at that level, you can really have plenty of care typically in the home. And then sure, dad and mom, you guys stay here and for as long as, as you want, but it's going to, it's really expensive. $20,000, $30,000 per month to have people in the home 24 seven for care. There's that. And, and even if you're at that 24 seven for one person, We've had some families that say, you know what? He's getting zero stimulation. There's caregivers coming uh, to see him, but he's in his couch. He's in his limb. Zero stimulation. So some families, if they're dropping that type of dough, they might go into a nice, a very nice long-term care residence, 24-7 care, maybe even top it off because it's going to be less expensive than 20000 Maybe top it off with a caregiver a day for a few hours as companionship. But it's the caregiver, it's the spouse, it's the daughter or the son that are gaining their lives back. You talk about the financial cost of someone who has to quit their job to take care of mom. Think about that. And so some families are saying, you know what, maybe this is the best of both worlds. And dad's going to get stimulated. There's action, there's, there's people around, there's activities. So there's two sides of the coin to that. That's such a good way to look at this. Let's talk about downsizing for just a second. You know, you know, I, I have one of these statistics. I've talked about downsizing for retirees, and I say that happy retirees don't downsize because they want to continue to live in their home as long as they can so that all their adult children can come back and their grandkids and they come so they don't go from a five bedroom down to a two bedroom. And again, that's that's what my research has shown. But I also understand that over time, at some point, most people do need to have some sort of downsizing. And this is in this latter half of retirement is what is where you're specializing. So talk to me about downside. There, there's dozens of things that have to happen if you're going to actually downside. Can you walk through some of those things? Yeah, no, sure. It's, this is a big part of our world as well. Uh, I'm smiling because it's usually, uh, it's the elephant in the room, usually, and it happens to be, I wouldn't even put it in the second half of retirement. It's usually in the first half, you're a little younger, you're either fed up with a home, and you just want to downsize, no problem. So we always have a, a couple of nice tips for, for downsizing, and one is starting early. Start purging early, you know, in your 40s and 50s and 60s, because I got a little, a little, um, uh, one of the things that I hear all the time, and you mentioned it here, moms and dads are going to put stuff in the basement because maybe my grandchildren are going to need this, or maybe my son will want this, or, or, or daughter. Guess what? Your kids don't want your stuff. 
<laughs> they don't <laughs> yeah. want it. The big, the big dresser drawer that they spent a fortune on, and they're insulted that they don't want it. You know, uh, you know, Wall Street Journal has even written about this. It, it, I think the title of the Wall Street Journal is literally "Mom and Dad, Hey Kids," or wait, I think it was "Hey Mom and Dad, Your Kids Do Not Want Your Stuff." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's like, well, but this is passed down from generation to generation. It is, it's a marble and, and a Bolivian wormwood dresser. Mom, uh, we do modern. We do uh, mid-century modern. Uh, you can keep your dresser. But yeah. <laughs> that's it. And, and they're insulted. You know, I, I spent a fortune on that. And how could you do it? So start early. Um, Number two. So start early purge. Number yeah, two. One room at a time. Start with the rooms that aren't used a lot. The the extra bedroom, the basement, the garage. Start with that. Six-month rule. Something you haven't used in six months. You have to honestly look in the mirror and say, do I actually need this? If it's seasonal stuff, no problem. But we like the six-month rule. And I love creating what we call yes, maybe, no piles. Okay, so you're going through the purging process. You create a yes pile. No, I, I absolutely need this. Memories, painting, whatever. Yeah, you've got your maybe pile. Mm, not so sure. And then you have the no pile. And here is the absolute key. That no pile. Don't go have a glass of wine now or have a coffee and sit on it because what's going to happen, your mind's going to go and that no now goes to maybe and the maybe goes to yes. Once you create that no pile, Get it out. That is, is key. <laughs> I think we could all use these tips right now, long before we do downsizing. I like the yes, maybe no pile. <laughs> and then, you know, also consider in downsizing, people don't like getting rid of their stuff. There's usually um, an emotional attachment to it. However, I find very often the very last stage is throw it out. Okay. And, and a lot of stuff will have to get thrown out. But the stage before that is either sell or donate. And this is becoming more and more popular. Someone who's worked hard for that piece of furniture or that chair that your kids don't want, maybe you can give a second life to a family in need. Um, someone who's come to the country maybe and just, just doesn't have the wherewithal. So we love this, particularly people in their 70s and 80s. If they know that their cherished belonging is going to be supporting another family in need, that's a big thing. So a lot of donations are, are very popular in the downsizing process. I want to go back to the conversation. I keep thinking about my dad and his farm. Um, and I think about, you know, my mom is in a place that is, let's say, a very active. It's her own, it's her own town home lot of uh, friends and neighbors around so it's very social she lives right next to a golf course it's a great little place and she's totally independent but she had to go through a, a knee replacement this year and that was that was tough and my sister who lives near her in the philadelphia area uh, was able to come help uh, and, and she's a physician's assistant so she's the medical one in our family so she's been really helpful with mom and and then mom has had several friends come and stay with her as making, making sure she's you know, using the knee and getting back. She's, she was very active and that's why her knee kind of, you know, kind of wore out. And um, so I, I think about that, but I think about maybe my dad's place. So, so again, that's, it's a townhome. She could live on all one floor if she really needed to. And she, she had to do that while she was recovering with her knee. But I think about my dad's place, and again, it's like he lives on a farm, and you've got you know we've got horses and barns and um, 
tractors and gardening and three stories and a house that was built in the late 1700s and restored. You know, he does not live in a place for somebody who's, let's say, much, much older. And he's fine now, but what do you... This is another challenge. Yeah. And it goes far beyond just a scenario of a farm like like your dad, but this is real life for many, many individuals. And we're calling it, what can we do to age in place? As age opposed, in place, yeah. As opposed to making that move. And we're getting more of that because the pandemic has scared everyone and no one really wants to move. And so aging in place is becoming extremely popular. However... Things have to be done to make sure you can age in place in a safe and secure way. So I like to break it down into two. We'll call it the simple common sense ways of aging in place. And then we could crank it up a little bit with maybe some renovations and remodeling. And I'll give you some examples of both. Simple common sense adjustments. Start with decluttering. You will not believe how many slips and falls happen because there's too much clutter. Those pull rugs, those mats aren't necessary. Get rid of them. Bathtubs are huge. You could, you know, simple anti-slip um, um, matting in the bathtub uh, is, is important. Lighting, simple. Brighter lights. Vision is a big issue. And then you could take advantage of some technology. Things like Alexa and Facebook portal where the family can communicate a lot better with mom or dad. Make it safer. And then I would also say medical alert systems are becoming more popular. You know, like a lifeline type thing. Um, where uh, there's GPS tracking, if you've fallen, those are simple common sense ones, not big investments. Apple Watch. Yes, Apple Apple Watch Watch is another another one. They're actually one of the market leaders now, um, and they've chosen that as a niche. Very smart. Cranking it up a little bit. I need to age in place, but, you know, mobility is really becoming an issue. So now you've got things like grab bars on in bathrooms solid grab bars and i don't mean towel racks towel rack is not a grab bar so right rips right out yeah grab that towel rack and they're done grab bars. walk-in showers or walk-in bathtubs are becoming popular you can't get your legs over the bathtub um for those that might be requiring or if you're in a wheelchair or a walker uh, you need to lower things counters cupboards appliances Ramps at the front entrance. So these are heavier renovation and remodeling. And for those, you know what? There may even be some state or federal loans or grants to look into because more and more people are doing that and it's required. Matt, what is your favorite, maybe your favorite piece of financial advice when it comes to folks headed into retirement? Well, a a few things. I think I'm going to generalize, but it costs less than you think in the first half of retirement and it costs more than you think in the second half of retirement so be aware of that Um, another important one is expect the unexpected as life challenges continue i always find those people that can adapt to change you're going to get thrown curveballs. The, the name of my radio show was called Life Unrehearsed, dealing with a lot of these things. So adapt, be able to adapt to change. But one important thing, uh, I don't want to be doom and gloom here. You still need to enjoy life. And sometimes I do these little exit interviews when mom or dad goes into these residences. And, I, and my common question is, any regrets? And what, a very common answer is, I should have traveled more when I had the mobility. 
You think Ooh. you're invincible when you're young. And now look at me. I have a cane or a walker. I can't go on a cruise ship or I can't go to Europe. So still enjoy life, but be aware that there are some additional expenses in the second half of retirement. And that's why the role of a financial planner is absolutely crucial. So you can express, express your wishes and have that plan in place for both the first half and second half. Well, thank you. If you if you like, I think that I, I appreciate that you were, that you like our profession. So I think it, we we do a lot of great things too. But, but also for you as a transition specialist or a senior transition specialist, you know I've just seen it in different cities. And when you get it right, and you have somebody that helps through, what I've lived this with with families. I haven't lived it yet with my own family because they're still relatively. Yet my parents are still young and mobile. But going through this with adult children, and then their parents, the right person to help find and guide you to the right place, the right independent living scenario, the right assisted living scenario. It really, it, it helps with that guilt checklist too, is the other thing that you mentioned, safety and security. Uh, you, you mentioned proper care, care caregiver support. Uh, I, I think it goes back to this thought of if I'm really doing my due diligence on getting somebody to help find the perfect fit. It's also a great way to kind of have a, a lot less guilt. And in some cases, and you've made this point here, Matt, is that to get your life back because the life of a caregiver is financially, it's emotionally, uh, it, psychologically, it's really difficult. And if we can help people, and I think that's why your profession is gaining so much popularity as we age as a population in North America, the baby boomer generation, the biggest part of our, uh, one of the biggest parts of our demographics getting older, it's just going to play more and more of a role. I think we covered today, and this is why you've, you've done such a great job here on Retire Sooner podcast is looking at this in a, in a positive light, looking at it in a proactive light, thinking of it, how do we, how does everybody get their life back? How do, how do the kids and the caregivers have their life back? Because they have kids, right? How does how do mom and dad get to stay in their own place that they want to stay as long as they can, provided they either have the money to do it or they get to the point where maybe they're overly isolated? So we're looking at this in, in what's the best interest for mom and dad? What's the best interest for the kids, the adult children? And if we can do that through these conversations, and that's why I think today's episode will be really helpful to our audience, is that as opposed to this... And I was thinking, I was a little worried as we were going to talk today that this is going to be like a depressing episode. I'm like, I don't want to have a, a depressing episode for the Retire Student Podcast. And, and it is, it hasn't been. It's been really uh, enlightening. It's been encouraging. And I'm going to go have those, just start dropping hints around those essential conversations per your advice. Matt Delvecchio, live, well, live at least for today, from Montreal. Thank you so much for everything that you have been able to share with the Retire Suitor audience today. Well, Wes, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure.
This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.